Welcome to Meet the Filmmaker at the Apple Store Soho in New York. Please give a warm welcome for this evening's moderator from Men's Journal, Charles Thorpe. Hey guys, how's it, how's it going? Um, we have an exciting one today, a lot of great people, uh, a lot of prolific people, and uh, it's a great little film that we're going to talk about here, Dirty Weekend, which uh, was first seen at the Tribeca Film Festival and is coming to theaters very soon. So uh, let's watch the trailer first. Where are we again? Albuquerque. Oh, this is just great. I thought I was dreaming. I'm gonna run into town for a little bit. Do you think it's wise for us to split up? Hey, we're not married here. We're more like Butch and Sundance, that kind of deal. You just assume that you're in charge. You just assume that you're Butch. But you're not Butch. You're Sundance. Well, let's just head into town, all right? As you like it. Some Shakespeare. Yeah, good one. I just started getting into Shakespeare myself through graphic novels. Just about to tuck into this Henry uh, V. I've worked with you for, what, two years? I don't really know anything about you. I'll tell you what, if you tell me about this little errand, I'll give you an earful, how's that? And start with that little thing that you keep pulling out of your wallet. <laughs> don't. Give it, give it back. All right, okay. Hey, hey, hey. You have a real problem with the truth, don't you, Len? Not as a concept, I like it just fine. You're never gonna tell me, are you? I just wanna know who's on it. What? It's sexual, isn't it? I drank too much, but I did a really bad thing. Says who? Says the world. And yet, I can't forget that evening. It's called a dirty weekend when you go off with someone and do things. Uh, I don't think so. This is a gay bar, right? Hey, folks, is this here a gay bar? Gee, I'm not sure. Guess you're going to have to find that one out all on your own. Be a Lakers fan? This is life, this is all part of life, and this is your life, so you just have to try and be yourself. Are you gonna go? Yeah, just for a quick, quickie talk. I lost the bet. Thanks, Butch. You're welcome, Sundance. Hey, Shakespeare, Shakespeare. Okay, guys, so help me welcome uh, Alice Eve, Matthew Broderick, and writer-director Neil Aboot. Okay, guys, so that's a good, good crew. And uh, so that's a great trailer. I feel like it's a trailer that you actually get the gist of what happens in this movie, unlike a lot of uh, things that we're seeing today. Um, so Neil, I first wanted to ask you, it's a very interesting concept for a movie. I don't know if it's something that you were immediately struck with. Let's talk about a guy who gets stuck in a city and maybe gets up to some indiscretion. Or did you think, I need want somebody who gets stuck in one city and then go from there? Or how'd you come up with the idea? Um, we like the, uh, the idea of a road movie that doesn't have a very long road, actually. You know, the road was really from, like, the airport to the city and back. Um, and I also like very much the idea of working... I, I'd done a number of things that were kind of male-female oriented and, you know, about relationships and all that. And I like the fact that these two were colleagues who were not ever romantically involved, but they had their own things that they were going through. And they learn a lot about each other over the course of an evening, you know, or a time that they're together. But they aren't ever thrown together in this kind of romantic standard way. Mm. And Alice and Matthew, what was it about the script that was interesting to you and made you want to maybe get involved with this project? I guess Alice first and I, then Matt. 
I think the subject matter is really interesting about like suppressed desire and feeling that you can't be who you truly are because of what other people will think. Um, also the idea that you know the character I played looked a certain way but in her private life had a completely different thing going on and that you, you know it's like you never judge a book by its cover it's the same old story but I thought it was really nicely told in this. Also, Matthew's really funny, so maybe he should talk. <laughs> no, I mean, yeah. Uh, just, uh, what about the script was interesting to you or that made you want to get involved and work with me? Oh, I just really, in, you know, I enjoyed reading it. I, I, the dialogue was great and funny, and um, the characters, just like Alice said, they both have these big secrets, and the way the, the, way the story unfolds, and as you learn more about what's really happening and, and their relationship changes, and it just seemed like there was a lot to play, and and um, and and it was very, very great. I love the dialogue. I, I like his writing, so I just was very happy to. And I did wasn't first. She was already attached to it, and I don't know how it came about. But I just suddenly got got the script, and uh, I, I loved reading it. So yeah, I wanted to do it. You know, some great lines and some great dialogue. And Neil, what? How important is casting to you when you're? doing a movie like this, a two-hander, very two-person focused. I mean, was it a long process or did you come upon you know, these two actors very quickly? Well, Alice and I had done a film previously, just, uh, just before that, and so um, she was kind of a natural choice you know, after we'd worked together to, uh, to do something quite different than what we'd done previously. And um, Matthew and I have actually only known each other from, from sort of bumping into each other in the street and talking. That's true. And oh, really? had talked about, let's, you know, that thing where you say, let's do something. And finally there was like, oh, what about this? Let's do this thing. Um, because we've talked about theater and all kinds of things, but never really done any, any project. And this just seemed like a, a kind of wonderful fit. I thought, you know, he can, he can hit the comedy. There's the, the kind of pathos of what he's going through. Um, so it just it made sense. I thought people would would be willing to go on this guy's journey with a guy like Matthew. Yeah, and so the the story takes place as. And I'm sorry to answer your question. Yes, it's like some people say it's like 95 percent of the job. They're actually a averaging low on that. Good casting is kind of everything. You know, it's actors are the people who bring this thing to life. On on paper, they can you know they they are what they are. They're on on paper and and they breathe life into them, you know, they carry over who they are as people, as actors, and also all the characters that we've seen them play. So it's, um, it's a huge task that they, they take on, but they are the conduit to the audience, not, you know, an audience is not going to sit down and read the script, they're going to see it in this, in this way that they, they've, you know, ever since childhood gone through, which is connecting to the people who are in front of them. Yeah. And did you guys get some time to rehearse or do any reads before you had to actually go on location and start filming it? Um, no, I, felt, I think we met on, at the airport going to, didn't we? Is that true? We didn't rehearse. Did we rehearse once we got there a we little bit? We rehearsed a lot when we got there. Yeah. How, how many days? Just like in our lunch break. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> and no, the night before we did a lot. So yeah. true, yeah, that we shot the whole thing in like 15 days. Wow. So there was a lot of, and you know, we were shooting like close to eight pages a day or something like that. So they were learning all this material. We would shoot and they would go off and like have dinner together just to start learning the next day's material. Wow. So it was a real, um, like a lot of these films are made. I mean, the, the film previous to this, I mentioned that Alice and I made, we shot in eight days. So, you know, there's 
a lot of films get put together very quickly because that's how much time you have or how much money you have, and you do what you have to do. But they, um, they had a very suddenly concentrated friendship. You know, they were, they were kind of pitched together day and night um, when they were making this. So rehearsal came while people were setting up or in the, the hotel lobby or, yeah. you know, we did whatever we could do. Mm. And the story takes place in Albuquerque on a, a layover from L.A. to Dallas on a, on a work trip. And so Albuquerque is kind of a player in this whole situation. Did you, so you filmed in Albuquerque? We did. And uh, what was it like filming there? Was that an interesting experience? or? Uh... It was more dangerous than I thought it was. Cause it, it, we, <laughs> Breaking you know, Bad, uh, famously. Yeah, films Breaking it, yeah. Bad. And, but it, I would go for these little runs around before we went in. So, you know, early in the morning, maybe just before sunrise. And they were like, can you, do, can you not run outside? Can you stay running in the treadmill? And then after that, I didn't want to do anything because right. it was scary. But we quite enjoyed New Mexico, I feel like. Yeah. We, yeah, we, we, when we drove around a little bit and um, we, we shot in, you know, you see the car wash from Breaking Bad. You thought, oh, that's, the, that's the real <laughs> yeah. car wash. That was. And did you not, too, didn't you also have like a crazy balloon experience? Yeah, we did. <laughs> that's <laughs> true. It was like, okay, it's yeah, the yeah, hub of balloon. Right when we point. started filming, there was a big... I bullied you into it. Yeah. I made him go hot air ballooning and he kept saying no. Oh, wow. And I was like, well, this is really important for our bonding experience. And I'm not sure how we're going to make this movie if we don't go ballooning and then right. we nearly died and that was what? terrible. Okay, go on. Yeah, I was, you nearly died. I was yeah. all right. I, the, I mean, you, the, was, you essentially like bounced and kind of crashed. The basket and was out. just like oh, bang, 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 boom, 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 boom. And she was like the flame, I think. Think you did the flame? Did you catch fire for well, a minute Well, the guy there? got drunk. He was so excited to be up there with Matthew and he got a little drunk on the oh, champagne. Oh no, the operator of the balloon. Yeah, and he, and he wanted to do like a big fancy landing and he came down and then like, you know, the basket like, get went out, get down. Get out now, get out now, get out. Get out, yeah. It was panic. But then we all went back to their house and celebrated with them, didn't we? And yes, and we good. were given certificates that we'd been in a balloon and yeah. all that. Uh, Neil, does, uh, does, did the film insurance cover that? I'm sure they're, uh, they're lucky they probably didn't hear about that. No, we were Yeah, that's one of those things that you're not really supposed to do, like probably. ballooning, you know, skydiving, motorcycle riding. But yeah, I think we kind of just like played that off as it didn't happen. Yeah, and so, you know, Neil, how is it, you know, really getting into these characters? I feel like it's, it's really interesting watching them sort of open up to each other slowly, get the familiarity. They're just colleagues who sort of know each other in passing, and they sort of open each other up to their sexual proclivities, and it really gets, um, you know, really either emotional and you know, romances are involved. Uh, I what think, was it like writing Well, I think that? what's interesting for me about the, 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 the film is not repeating yourself, and I think um, I've, I've touched on, on that world previously, and so I purposely tried to do something that felt more old-fashioned, in a way. Like, I could imagine this film 30 or 40 years ago with Jack Lemmon in it, you know? Um, that kind of thing. And yet they're dealing with, with subjects that are, are still very um, important today, to people that are you know, finding themselves and, and being able to be open about who they are. And, um, and I think what's interesting about Matthew's character's journey is that he's going back, he doesn't expect to find himself in Albuquerque, it's the layover that sort of triggers the experience. And he's had an experience there that he actually can't really remember. He knows it was sexual. He doesn't remember who it was with. He's not even sure if it was a man or a woman. But he knows that he enjoyed it. And it's something that he doesn't have in his own relationship. So, you know, he's not, he's not walking through the movie saying, I have a bad marriage, um, something's missing. 
but by being pitched back into that moment, he remembers something that happened to him, and he really wanted to get, gets to the bottom of it. So he can't really explain it to his colleague. She finds it very vague and suspicious what he's doing, but he is on sort of a, a hunt himself to find out what the hell he went through. Yeah. And so then when he does that, he comes to a point where he has to make a decision, you know, do you do that again now that I know what it is or not? Um, and so those are, that's the kind of interesting journey for him. Yeah. And, uh, and so, she's on a much different journey. Yeah, so, um, so yeah, he tries to leave. He tries to leave his colleague behind and uh, he ends up getting stuck with her. She doesn't want to leave him, uh, get him out of his sight. So uh, we, have the, we have another clip I think we can show that uh, involves his, his uh, trip. Still don't get it. What? Why you're following this? I'm not following you. I just don't Sorry, what was that address again? Oh, Gold the... Avenue? No, no, no. Just uh, down around the center of town. Just around there. It's a big area, pal. Fine, then choose a place, a convenient place, and uh, that'll be fine. <laughs> There's lots of areas I can take you to. Don't happen to have an actual address, have you? Nope. Just looking to get into Albuquerque. Is that okay? Your money. That is true. So let's just head into town, all right? All right. As you like it. Some Shakespeare. Yeah. Yeah, thanks. Good one. Got it. You, uh, you people love Shakespeare, don't you? Yeah. The English. He's the shit, as you people say. <laughs> I just uh, started getting into Shakespeare myself through um, graphic novels. Just about to tuck into this Henry uh, V. I'm not following you. I'm doing this because I care about our work. Believe me, I don't love going into Albuquerque. And I get really carsick, so... All right, all right. Understood. Jesus. If you want me to pull over, sweetheart, just say the word. I'll... It's kind of a, a private conversation, I care. I'm sorry. I'm all right for now, thank you. I'll let you know if it changes, though. Got it. I'm fine for now, though. It's okay, I, I like to hear that loyal type. It's nice. So we were talking a little bit before about that, that uh, dialogue that you got to write, and uh, it's so funny. I mean, those moments go on throughout the movie. And Matt, your, your looks, your stares, it's, that adds the humor of it, the fact that you're not really emoting, you're not laughing at these situations. Was it hard for you to keep a straight face with that, with that acting? And, uh... um, no, I, I, um, I don't know. I, I didn't think of it. You know, I came up in the silent era, so we, we <laughs> all got very good at those takes that I think you're referring to. Um, I, I always, you know, what's funny, he doesn't know that it's funny, really, right. generally speaking, so uh, I, so I, that's why I'm not laughing, because I don't, because I, I don't know it's, I don't know that it's funny, really, you know, that's the comedy of it, but um, I think I, we laughed a lot making the movie, we certainly were all, you know, yeah. laughing a lot. Alice, did you find yourself um, cracking a smile every once in a while during a take when Matthew's on yeah, one of his Matthew, little rants that he goes on? Matthew's very hard to be around and not laugh. He's got <laughs> funny bones. So I was, it was a happy, a happy movie for me in that sense because, you know, whatever was going on, he, was, he had a running commentary on it that was very, very entertaining. And, you know, was there a lot of... I'm guessing there wasn't a lot of downtime, so you guys were working late and then... 
it was time for yeah. you to get accosted in the hotel every oh, night, no. and then and then we'd do a little bit of eating, and then <laughs> maybe and learning a, a lot of learning, um, testing, and then when we wrapped, we we walked around Albuquerque for like five miles looking for a bar, and mm. that was our wrap party. <laughs> so. Yeah, well, yeah, Albuquerque is deceptively spread out. So people <laughs> yeah. say, you know, if you're not used to driving every place, and they say, well, it's not, it's just down the road, and you walk, you know, maybe 20 miles, 10 miles, it seems like, miles. the sun beating down. <laughs> to Colorado. Just to, no, just to get around, uh, you know, the, the, the bookstore is, a, is long. Yeah. It's, everything's, yeah. everything's big. Yeah. And Matthew, another question for you. I mean, people are really familiar with their can of work before the producers and Ferris, and they have this attachment to your characters from your past, but you're obviously doing movies like this, you know, with working with Neil's uh, writing. And are people, do you feel people are shocked by the material in, in movies like this, or are they, you know? I, I wouldn't think so. I don't think it's very shocking. Yeah. I mean, maybe, a little, you know, it, it's not for children, this, right. this story. It's about adult stuff, but I don't think it's terribly shocking. No, not at all. Do you, Alice? Um, well, I don't I, think it's shocking. I, I think if you'd never done stuff guys. like, if you'd, if you'd never seen stuff like Election, if you hadn't seen right. you, you Can Count On Me, things, you know, that, that mm. then, you know, become more adult than, than something like, you know, Ferris Bueller is, is a much more kind of universal comedy, that kind of thing. But, you know, he's got a body of work that at this point, and theater work, so I think it's a, you know, it's a step that you go, oh, I mean, it was for me going. I know, I know, we can do this. I'm going to get both sides. I'll get the comedy and I'll get the drama as well. Yeah, um, I think we have another clip actually that delves into the, the plot of the movie. I'm calling the airline. No, no, don't do that. No, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait, don't, don't, please don't. I'm gonna, I'm gonna tell you. I'm gonna tell. All right? It's, I'm, I. Oh, it's sexual, isn't it? Isn't it? What is? Jesus, come on, the thing, what you're hiding. That's what we spend most of our time lying about, and people in the States are the worst about it, man, such Puritans. The fear that somebody's gonna find out we like it or love it, or how we love it or want to try it, or things we haven't done yet but want to, or people we've done it with. And I say cares, you know? Because this is life, this is all part of life, and this is your life, so you just have to try and be yourself, Les. I mean, God, we're only here once. This is a one-time deal. The Hindus are off their rockers. This is a one-time deal, and so... Do what you want, Les. It's a, uh, a little bleeping there, which is appropriate. Couple of beeps. <laughs> no, it's, it's, a, it's a great, it's a great uh, little comedy and a great film. And I mean, is it, is it doing these kind of films that make you want to work like this more? Or is it the big budget films that you guys, is it finding a, a balance between all those movies? I know, Alice, you have the Star Trek films that you've been involved with. I mean, that it's, it's very different, absolutely. This is a lot more like a family gets together and makes a movie. Um, and then Star Trek is like a very big 25 families get together and make the movie. And so they're both amazing, but they're, they are different. I, I don't know if it's something that you can prefer one or, or the other because um, it's like theater and film. You know, it's, you, will, you get something from the creative process as long as it's a creative process. Mm. It's all rewarding. Yeah. And, and do you go about it, Matthew, do you go about your process differently when you're preparing a play versus when you're preparing for a film? I mean, I know you have a show that's coming out very soon here right. in New York. Um, well, a play, is, you have this 
long rehearsal process. So by the time you do the play, you're, it is different. A, a film, you're always sort of just, just finding it as it's happening, and then it's gone. So it's this, you get into this rhythm of just when you capture something, that's when you're finished with it. And that, that's a very different feeling in a play. You capture it and say, now I've got to hang on to that and, and keep that going and find the next bit. But a, a, you have to kind of flow along in a movie and, and then often it's not till it's all done and put together that I can even sort of, then I get the idea of what the performance was, but, it, but it's so broken up when we make them that so really, really schizophrenic process. Yeah. <laughs> for them, I, I think it's really difficult. And so you, for me, it's, it's trying to create the best environment for them to work in, even when it's as, as quickly paced as this. You know, I think in film, you're always aware that you're under the gun. You, you don't have enough money, you don't have enough time. And yet you're trying to create this little moment that looks like everything's perfectly fine, take you all the time in the world. Yeah. But you've always got someone on the periphery, you know, pointing at their watch. It's, Films are so based on economics, you know, from the smallest one to the, the biggest studio film, that even in a film like this, we're constantly saying to them, we're gonna, we need to shoot this scene today and this one tomorrow, and we need you to cry now because I know you haven't been together very long, but we can only have this location on Sunday, so you're gonna have to have that scene today. It's not really in this kind of like cause and effect way. We ask them to, you know, and we'll spend hours lighting a scene and they walk in there and then people start going, now let's hurry it up at the moment when they really need to be creative. It's a really weird way to go about, again, they're the ones that an audience connects with, but they're the ones that we often rush in the process. So it's a really weird way to go about making something. Yeah. Um, and I try and fight that as best you, know, you can, but it is a process that's a strange one. The theater process is much easier. To, you, know, you all start in the same place and you all end up in the same place. I've um, never heard anyone come to the defense of actors like that before. Thanks, Neil. But I also did want to say that <laughs> Neil does create that space really, really true. well. Mm. He really makes it feel like an environment where you can explore things that you're uncomfortable to explore because that's what it's about. You, you're basically, you need to feel very safe because you're entering territory that's scary, you know, um, suggesting that he needs to tell me about his sexual proclivity or whatever. It's like you have to feel that you're in an environment that you can do that. And Neil does that. But he has to because the stuff he writes is so intense. <laughs> and you know, our, after you know, listening, explaining that the, that battle to get you know everything perfect in the moments, um, are you able to watch your films back, Alice? Are you? Is that something that you're able to do with? I, I, it's not my favorite thing to do, I have to say. Maybe a few years after you've made them and they come on TV and then you're like, oh look, that's that film that, and then you kind of remember the fun times that you had on set that day. But when it's the first time you see it, it, it is a, it's, it's a lot to digest. It's a lot of you. Mm. And we're not used to watching us do anything in life. So it's a weird thing. I, I don't find it particularly pleasant. <laughs> you have a favorite one that you like to pop on whenever you're feeling I it, never, you know? I never like pop my own <laughs> Feeling a little low. Watch some of me. <laughs> look how pretty I look. Yeah, that's a, a good pick me up. How about you, Matthew? Do you watch? Are you able to watch your films back? Or? Um, no, I used to. When I started, I was like, "Oh, this is amazing! I'm so great! It's great! Everything's great!" But then, I if, you know, I can't get enough of this. Where, where are dailies? I'd, I'd say, you know, after shooting, I'd want to see last night's footage. As quickly as possible. Let me check out what I did and see if I can improve it e even more. 
But then um, nowadays I hide, I'd rather die. I don't want to see them. I, ha I do see them because they come out. <laughs> and then I have to, we have to see them. Even after the lawsuit, you, they still come out. They come out and, and you have to talk about you, them. Yeah. And, and, and also, once I finally get the nerve to see them, I'm often, I'm always pleasantly surprised. Yeah. Like 99.9, almost every time I've thought, oh, this is really pretty, this is good. So, That's nice. so I like it. I just, I'm, as I've gotten older, I'm more, more uncomfortable watching. Mm. I don't yeah. know why. And Neil, I mean, there are a lot of inspiring uh, filmmakers out there and that listen to the podcast after. I mean, is there any advice you can give to either first-time filmmakers or somebody as you know, prolific as yourself? Well, they have to watch them. I mean, they, yeah. you know, as a filmmaker, you do have to watch your own movie. There's no, <laughs> there's no way around it. You know, you have to, and Editing. you do see it you know, a few hundred times. So by the time it's finished in, in a theater or on your, your television or whatever, you, know, you feel, yeah, I've seen it enough times, I can move on. But... Um, the beautiful thing for, for people who are out there wanting to make film or television in particular, I think now, is there are so many ways in which um, those mediums are accepted by audiences. People are willing to watch uh, their entertainment today from their pads to their, you know, to their, their television sets to all laptops, all those things. Um, and, and, and the kind of material or the, you know, the mechanisms you can use to make films. People are, are proudly saying that, in, that film was entirely shot on the iPhone. It's just shameless at this point. Um, <laughs> no, I think there's a movie that's literally playing now, maybe at like Lincoln Center, I think it was called Tangerine. Yeah, Tangerine. I think they shot yeah, the entire thing Baker. on a phone, I will say. You know, King Kelly was another one that was shot on a phone. Um, people are using their, what, what would amount to their still camera Ten years ago, they're filming, you know, on... How do they do sound on the phone? Um, well, they've either, got, you know, they've either got someone there who's recording the sound. Right. They're not using the sound necessarily off the phone. No, it must um, not be. Uh, but they are, they're, they're, they're recording <laughs> at the same time. So it's, um, I think it's, it's, there's never been a better time for an audience who is willing to go with you, you know, in terms of what you have to go out and make a movie. You know, so you, you still need the drive, the desire, a story to tell. Sometimes they have a script, sometimes they don't. They need those basic rudimentary things, you know. Um, but people are cutting them on their laptops using a program that they downloaded from here. And um, I meant from here as well, another <laughs> quick plug. Um, but you know what I mean? It's like, it, it's not, it yeah. used to be, in the same way if you were a theater artist 50 years ago, if you weren't working on Broadway, you really weren't working in the theater. You know, there, then there was a movement for regional theater and off-Broadway and off-off-Broadway. And, and now there's a number of ways to do theater, you know, in this city and outside there. But, but um, movies were, were either, you know, there were the independents and they were, they were a handful of people. And now there are so many more independents than there are studios. Um, people are finding ways to get their stories made or put on YouTube or however it is to, to hand somebody a disc or download something, you know, is, is just the way it, it happens. And uh, I think even for a movie like this, you can go to the theater, you can watch it the same day on your television. I mean, if I had been able to do this when I was younger, I think this movement is a great one because yeah. I lived in a place where a lot of the movies that I wanted to see did not come to my city. Not like four weeks later or when, they just did not come. So, and you know, you, you either had to find them some other time at a repertory theater or, you know, oh my God, they came out on VHS eventually, whatever it was. Um, now things are, are so readily available. I think it's, it's just a great time to be out trying to make movies or, or do that kind of thing. And 
on this film with about 15 days of shoot, were there any days that you really felt like maybe this wouldn't happen? Was there a day that everybody sort of got together and had to persevere th certain situation or certain... Uh, I mean, every day's yeah. hard. You know, the last day we worked, we worked so late. I can't... Yeah. We were, with these guys were just... Alice wasn't actually in the scene, but uh, they were just... He was, you know, blurry-eyed. It was, yeah. the, you know, the, the sun was, was coming up the next day because wow. you just had to finish. You know, we were at the end of... But actually, the, the last clip we showed that little bucolic scene of them walking, that was like a complete like shooter's alley. Mm. You know, um, drugs is what I'm referring to. <laughs> yeah. and, like, and like everybody hung out in that place. We eventually started buying like security hats for our crew to wear. And they weren't like security people at all, but we figured the more they saw that word that they were gonna just kind of thin out and leave. Wow. And, um, but it was one of the few places where we could get, you know, be in the city but have that kind of a setting. So um, that was actually a very difficult one, getting everybody cleared out. A guy came by and just kind of beat the drum yeah, until we paid him, guy. and then he went down the street and then beat the drum some more. Um, <laughs> so it was that, you know, that kind of thing when you're shooting outside, I mean, sh nowhere more so than New York. You shoot outside in New York, you just have to deal with you know, life that's, that's passing you. All the sound, all the people who really don't care that you're, in fact, are more put off than anything by the fact that you're, you're making a movie. So um, you kind of, when you throw yourself outside, like the movie that I mentioned that Alice and I made previous to this, we were inside a house all the time. So there's a safety net in there. It's a little bit like being in a studio. Here we were, we were outside a lot, and so that was tricky. Except for the bed bugs. Oh dear. Oh, yeah. I mean, we, no, we didn't have bed bugs, but it was <laughs> okay. bed bug year in New York, so oh, the big wow. fear was that there yeah, would be bed exactly. bugs. What happened to them? I guess like Legionnaire's disease. Yeah. Remember that? Yeah. <laughs> like so many New York teams, they were overrated. <laughs> it's all about the media. The media builds it up. Um, but Matthew, I mean, were there any days that you were, I mean, on that last day when you're are you giving fresh reads? Are you changing up the dialogue? Are you just trying to do the same thing and, and, and get it right? Um, well, at some, you know, it's, on some days we were able to try different variations and try things, but often we were just trying to get... Like, the, 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 the night he's talking about was... I don't know what, if something technical happened, but we were there forever in that apartment. Yeah, it was just a long, we had and, a long couple scenes to And long takes without coverage, which means you can't, one mistake will kind of ruin the whole thing. So um, I remember some scene where I had to get, I was getting dressed. Yeah. And we finally got a take after so long where everybody had said <laughs> more or less everything. and More or less yeah. everything. And yeah. then I got up and I was like, oh, I'm, I'm not wearing pants. Complete, or, or something yeah. I didn't do. Completely un uh, No watch or something? Glasses. No glasses. I didn't <laughs> put my put glasses, on glasses on. So that, which is very, it's funny now, but it was really not funny then. We were working At 2.30 so in the morning, it's far less funny. Yeah. 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 And then we had lots of, that day on the steps was very hard when I couldn't remember a thing mm. for a while. But then yeah. I did. And then you did. And that's all that matters. <laughs> yeah. And when you're doing the same thing over and over again, does it, it, is, it, um, is it hard to like get done you know, when you're drinking like a martini in a bar, bar for take after take after take? Are you guys, yeah, are you guys drinking that? Or are you, what are you doing? Are you 
What, you mean are we drinking real yeah. martinis or is it hard to keep up with your continuity? Continuity, yeah. yeah. But it's interesting that because, you know, Brando famously, was it Brando who just did all his own continuity? But there is a person on set whose job it is to monitor the continuity. Mm. But it sort of falls between the actor and the continuity girl or scripty as Americans call that position. And she sort of has the script and annotates what you're doing. And then if you're not doing it, will remind you that that was the moment that it happened. But yeah. we didn't drink real martinis. We shot that at 10 in the morning. <laughs> but but, but yeah, remembering sort of where your drink is, is, is part of being kind of in the moment. You kind of, if you're there, you yeah, do remember. It all happens. It all happens, yeah. Right. It would be a great class that they don't teach actors now continuity because it's such a thing that can really spoil a moment you know you can I've I've along the way lost some really good moments in things because someone's cigarette was not in the right place or they moved their hands or that kind of thing and and I think if, if they taught it actually just like you know anything else that they teach in a, in a conservatory or in a, a graduate program it would behoove a lot of people because you find a lot of the grad programs that people go to they don't get as much time in front of a camera and so they may come out and they've, they've played Hamlet and done all these wonderful things, but they actually have never really shot too much footage. And they get out there and they don't realize that, you know, if, if I, my hand was like this in the scene and then I shot the other shot like this, all that's going to happen is you're, no one's ever going to pay to go back and shoot the scene again to accommodate that. They're just going to cut you out mostly. They'll, cut, they'll use the one shot they like where you were doing this and they'll just keep cutting to him instead. And so you really can screw yourself over as an actor by just not understanding what the, you know, the, that as well as getting all the lines out, if I'm going to say I'm going to drink during this scene, I shouldn't just drink indiscriminately. I, yeah. should, dr I should set several places where I'm going to do it and that's going to work for me. But it's something that people don't really spend a lot of time with. Yeah. yeah. Um, so I guess we're going to throw out to you guys and some questions. Hi. Hi. You look really lovely, oh, by the way. Oh, thank you. Beautiful dress. Really? Oh, <laughs> and you always look great. But this was $80 from a vintage store, which was once from Saks Fifth Avenue, this. So it's an old-school New York dress. Nice. Yeah. Very Impressive. nice. Very nice. Beautiful, right? <laughs> so m my question, clearly this is a really good script, and you wrote the script as I, well? I did, yes. I've, I've come to a number of these things at the Apple Store and I've been hearing that one of the more difficult things for actors is finding a good script. And so I'm wondering if any of you would like to speak to that and, and how do you find a good script? And Hang out with Neil. <laughs> yeah. You, you run into him in the street. Yeah. Uh, there are, it hard, good scripts are hard to write, you know, so there aren't that many of them. And, and um, they're very hard to... And then they go through... A lot of people want them, so you know. Yeah, you have to fight. It's a tricky for them. business. Yeah, it's definitely a tricky business, but. And also, the one that looks good turns out not to be good usually. Yeah, yeah it doesn't mean it doesn't mean always that the thing you read is always then turned into a good film. Yeah, it doesn't always and vice happen. Versa. Exactly. Um, yeah, someone can elevate, uh, you know, a script yeah, or, or turn really... it into a really beautiful yeah. film that Absolutely. you know you didn't notice on the page. That was the case. I think what does help, though, is um, a very open collaboration like we had, that the script is really a sort of blueprint, you know, when you start, and they're free to continue to make it better. And that right down to the last take, you kind of have people that you know, like the taxi driver you saw as someone that I'd worked with before, and I brought him in to, to do this, you know. And so people are not afraid to go, what about this? Or what if I tried it this way? Here's another line. Is this funnier? You know, um, 
I, I, I don't, I try to remove ego from the, the equation as much as possible. I mean, you should have ego. People should be proud of what they do and all of that, but not excessively to the point where, you know, I, I, I would never want to be in the, in the place where we were correcting them about the syntax of what they were saying, as opposed to let them do the job that they're good at. And if they suddenly have a, a you know, a moment where they're like, do we really need this moment? You know, sometimes you can't really see either when you write and direct things. You're so close to it, you know, and you think there's something wrong, there's a line wrong here or something, and someone will, will look at it and they'll go, do we need this scene, actually? And you feel like, oh, gosh, I better stand up for it or we're all here, I'm going to feel foolish. But it's a lot better to, like, not spend the money and just kind of go, yeah, why don't we pack it in? You're right. We don't, we don't actually need this scene because we said this in the other scene. Oftentimes you get all the way to the editor. It's the editor who, after all the people who have looked at a script, go, how come you can't just jump to here? And you go, it's a good point. You know, after you've shot it and spent all the money and, you know, wasted your time. Um, but sometimes you just don't see those things. So that's the beauty of, you know, really being open to the process. And trust your actors. But trusting your crew as well. And, and them trusting you enough to feel like, oh, I'm not just the guy who does this. But I can say, what about, you know, this would be kind of funny. And you try it. It doesn't really hurt to try, you know, something one more time. Um, even when you're under the pressure that we were under to get things done, it still doesn't hurt. You know, you, it's much harder to go back. It's much harder. So it's, uh, it's good to have people who are already creative, but who feel like they're in a place where they're appreciated for that, not a pain in the ass for asking questions. Sometimes I think, you know, people get treated that way. Actors, crew, that it's, you know, it's all about, you know, one person's vision. And I don't think ultimately... It, you know, it works best when it's that way. I think that editors are underrated, actually, to speak to that point. Editors are so important in a film, and how they assemble it can make a great film and can also ruin a film that could have been great. But also there's an expression, kill your babies, which is like, obviously it's metaphorical, but it's, it, it's you know, to... I like that you pointed out, though. Yeah. Well, like, so there's no... I don't, you, know, you don't want to be quoted for that later. so aggressive. One needs to be thought, very clear yeah. these days. Um, exactly. What I got from the podcast was... Yeah, I mean... Kill your babies. Exactly. That's what we don't want. So the metaphorical phrase, kill your babies which is so important to be able to do um, in, in Neil's position and in a director's position is to know when to say this isn't working and to get rid of it can refresh and give confidence to everyone involved and Neil's very good at that and it creates, as he was saying, a very fluid environment where if you're able to say, okay, I made a mistake, then everyone else can feel they say they made a mistake and then everyone will go further and push further and give more because they're not afraid to fall. Yeah, because if something goes wrong, not everyone doesn't stop and, you know, their jaws drop. It's like, oh, you messed up. It's sorry, sorry. And then you just do it again. And Neil creates that environment really well. Hi. Hi. Um, I noticed that you guys, from seeing you guys in other films, that particularly in this one, I see that almost like your costuming and your hair kind of play into the characters. I know you, you've, um, Alice, you've had your hair mostly blonde in this one. It's a little darker. You're wearing um, something a little more edgy. And um, Matthew, you're wearing something a little more stuffy. And I see it seems like the film goes on. Like you let your hair down, you kind of loosen up. Was that really a decision you guys made? Or was that kind of on the part of the script team? Or was that kind of something as you guys started reading the script, you kind of decided, like, because those little things do tell a lot of the story about the characters. Like, was that a decision you guys made? Or was that part of the script? Yeah, it's a 
the, yeah, the, everybody, uh, you know, it's, the costumes are always, and the, and the makeup and hair is like as important as any job. Sometimes I think when you work on it, and then you, because you, you did a lot of work on your own clothes in this too, I know, but, but and I was wearing my own jacket, I think. <laughs> <laughs> but it just looked right, and yeah, ultimately, and the sweater, you know, what he we, came with looks better than than like the, the other jacket. But the sweater and sweater and the pants, pants were, were all from you guys. Yeah, it'd yep. be clear that the sweater was not yours. No, but but <laughs> that we just found. And, yeah. But you know, you you can discuss a character all you want, but when you finally say that he he wears this or she wears this or this is how her hair looks, that's when you're really that's when it's final in a way. I mean, that's, that's a major decision. The way somebody uh, dresses says a lot about who they are. So that's, that's one of the times in a film when you're, you are committing to something uh, that's not vague, it's, it's a real decision. And I think it's hugely important, you know? Especially in a situation like this where they really only had one look throughout the, you know, the body of the film because it's taking place over the course of a day. Yeah. You know, so she, thank you for noticing, she lets her hair down and it kind of softens her look, at, you know, at a certain time. Um, and he loses his jacket and certain things happen. But overall, they were kind of saying this is the one look that will give you a sense of who that person is. Um, and even in the dialogue, she had a very particular, you know, she would wear mostly turtlenecks is what she would say that that, that was kind of her style. It also hides a certain part of her herself that we find out about later. But um, those kind of things are, are both helpful story-wise and in terms of just physically what we see. You know, it tells, tells rather than overwriting it, with one look you can kind of get a sense of, yeah. of who that person is. And the right costume is the most helpful, I don't know why, but it just really makes everything come together. It really is. It's so powerful when you put on your costumes and, and get your look. But also, you know, in terms of like the hair coming down, Neil and I had done a movie before and it was blonde. I had a like blonde bob, it was very platinum. We wanted to make it different and we chose to go darker. And this girl um, inhabited, a, you know, a different space. And then the thing about the hair down though, Neil, I feel like that happened on the day. And as, as we were saying about the martinis and the continuity, if you're in it, if you kind of know what should happen, and so I think, did we make that decision on the day? Yes, it was. That wasn't on the page. That was more of a you. You actually had tracked that through and said, once I get there, I kind of want to let my hair down because it's ultimately that's what the character was doing. Yeah. So those are those those happy, not accidents, but those. That's where you're still thinking it through rather than just following it, you know, by the book. Um, but because it is visual, you do have to, because you pick up on it, you know, because it's so visual, you have to take everything like that into account. And Matthew's sweater. Yeah. <laughs> jumper, my jumper. Just jump, <laughs> jumper. Good evening. Good night. Um, it's a question for you, Alice and Matthew. Um, as an aspiring actor, do you think it is really necessary for you to get a degree in acting? Can you get a private coach, or you really do need to go through all these levels in the institution? Well, that's a very good question. The thing, the, the reality of the job of acting is, 
it doesn't require a degree like a lot of other jobs that you, you could do. So no, it's, of course it's not completely necessary, but what it would provide and can provide if you do a, a degree of some sort is a way in and it gives you a platform to express your talent and be found and be discovered and have people talk about you and also meet other collaborators maybe in a, in a university or an institution that make films or do theatre and that you can kind of get a group together. But there, there are loads of ways into the profession and that isn't one you have to take. But I, you know, everyone's experience of coming into it is different. Basically, the main thing is to get your first job and it is the best day of your life when you get your first job, no doubt. It was the best day of my life. I couldn't, didn't know how to contain the feeling. But um, once you have got your first job, then, it, it's a diff then it's a different thing. So it's just the journey to how you'd get that. What would you say? Exactly true. I mean, you, if you find a good teacher, that would be better than a bad teacher. And, but there are a lot of bad teachers yeah. and a lot of good ones. But I think in a way, I went to acting school, um, not at a university where you get a degree, but a, 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 a real acting school. And I think more than even learning from the teachers, which I did, was, as I said, I got to meet other actors my age and writers, Kenny Lonergan, who I still, we, we met, we knew each other, but it's the group of friends you have, somebody gets a job, you know, and then the rest of you get to be picked up a little bit by that. Or he, or he or she says, I, I want to use my, my buddy in this part. So it's very important, however you find it, to find a group that, that uh, can get you in there. Because to just be alone looking at the paper and auditioning is is a pretty bad odds I but think. do that as well yeah yeah do everything course. basically you kind of have to do everything yeah that's true i mean yeah. i made that exact same sort of pact with someone in college that whoever makes it first help the other person right. you know that kind of thing send the elevator back down um and it happened you know that we we both ended up doing kind of our first big project together um and i met several people that way through college that i continue to work with uh so that that thing that they're talking about that network that widens is more important than the, the degrees that I have. Um, absolutely so. I think both, in, in a way, the good news and the bad news is that there is no one way in. If you follow the exact steps that Matthew's taken or Alice have taken, it would not mean that you would then get work you know, in this business. Whereas following a lawyer, you know, kind of step by step, you could very easily imagine that you will become a lawyer and be hired by someone to do that job. But it's not exactly so here. But that is, as I say, the good news also. You, you, know, you do not have to go to, and spend money to go to college to do it. You, you know, some of the best people have been self-taught, off-the-street actors. So um, it's, um, it's this weird combination. And if they knew it, what it was, they would sell it. But they don't. Why does someone pop on the screen or on stage and the next person doesn't, you know? And why, you know, why does this person um, have that, that sort of natural talent that the next one doesn't? But why is this one so well-trained, you know, work really well in classical pieces? It's just, you know, it's a weird combination of stuff that makes each person... The good news is that you have something that nobody else has. You know, each of them have their own secret weapon. They are, you know, there, are, there may be a Matthew Broderick type, but... He's the one and only. You know what I mean. So it's each actor carries sure. in. Thank sure. you. Yeah, yeah. He's a type, right? He's a type. Um, but you know, so you have you carry that thing around that you are the only one of you, 
unless you're twins, and then this whole idea is just screwed. So <laughs> I'm not going to. It sounded so good for a while, and then I realized, yeah, it could get messy. Yeah, twins are the same. That's true. They're exactly the same. Exactly it's creepy. The same. Um, for Everybody both fit. Alice and Matthew, you guys been in huge studio budget films, and you've done a lot of independent films. Which one of the two would you say gives you the bigger challenges in terms of acting or you know your roles in general? Well, well, it depends. You know, uh, I mean, you have more time in a big studio movie, but also often more cooks more um less uh you, you know you're more watched in some way um it really depends project to project i think some studio films are very extremely pleasurable to do and uh and some aren't and it's the same with uh independent films it seems to matter who, who you're working with and the material um you are more comfortable and you have more time when you have a bigger budget, but it also brings, brings some, a, a lot of extra opinions usually, the people who are paying for it. Thank you. Um, yeah, so, you know, guys, Dirty Weekend is in theaters September 4th, and it's going to be on demand, so you can watch it VOD, as we were talking about, on your iPhone watch or uh, wherever, or I on the side of a building. Watch it on your watch. Watch it on your And so I tell your watch. friends, you know, tweet about it, Facebook about it, and get people out in theaters, and thanks so much for coming.